Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Does that even tie in with what we were talking about last week? Well, today it will all make sense and it will come together. But you realize that many times you are guilty or innocent by your association, right? Right? I mean, you're here this morning, and so people just naturally think that you're a church-going person, right? People think, well, that person sitting next to me, they must love God because they're in church. They might even think you're going to heaven because you're in church. (laughs) You realize that's not always the case, right? But people will think that you are just because you're here at church. Well, how many of you know that there's other people that go to other places and you can be guilty or innocent by association, right? You think, well, praise the Lord, you know, I can go to these places and people will will, will not think anything of me. Well, you again, please don't, I don't, I mean, I mean, Half tempted to even use this example, but you realize if you go to a, a, a gay bar, I mean, they they just might think you're gay, right? I don't know why I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cody says I get into this conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You would be guilty or people would think of you just by the association right and so again i don't know why i used that example that just came to my mind but anyways it makes for the good point you 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 get it right well you know you realize also that just in regards to our guilt or innocence we can't claim ignorance as a result of of saying well i'm i'm innocent because i didn't know how many of you realize that that's not a, a valid excuse you know, I can remember, this was just over a couple roads over uh, by the uh, police station over there. And I was coming down the road, and I didn't realize what the speed limit was. I know that I saw one speed limit, it says 45 miles an hour. So I was traveling 45 miles an hour, and I was getting closer to Corona Road, and I failed to miss the one single sign that said speed limit is 35. It did not say reduce speed to 35. It did not say pay attention. It didn't give you any notice. There was one single sign, and I missed that single sign. I got up to the intersection. I saw a cop behind me, lights flashing. I pulled over into the bank. He came up behind me, and he says, uh, license and registration i'm like sir did i do something wrong he says license and registrations please and i like oh, okay and so finally he came back comes back after he checks my information and he i said was there a problem he says yes you were speeding you were going x amount of miles an hour in a 35 zone and it really just burnt me because i'm thinking i did not see a sign i was just traveling the amount of speed that i saw the last sign and i went back and i backtracked it and i think it was like an eighth of a mile back that the sign was and i'm thinking there's one stinking sign and i missed it i mean blink your eyes turn your head check the dial whatever you can miss the sign and i tried to get somebody on my side in fact i was talking with somebody at the church and i was pleading my case i'm like come on isn't that just wrong I mean, I shouldn't be guilty for that. And they looked at me like, now, pastor, (laughs) pastor, (laughs) the sign said 35, right? And I'm like, yeah, but I just want somebody to feel sorry for me and be in my corner. (laughs) And so sure enough, I went to the court and pleaded my case. But nevertheless, I paid a fine because ignorance is not an excuse, right? And so, listen, I want us to begin to understand some things. We talked really a lot last week about prayer. 
And like I said, you'll begin to see this as, th- as time unfolds, uh, just as we get to the end of this message, is how that all plays into a factor of guilt or innocence by association. But once again, God desires and God needs for us as a church to pray, right? God needs you to pray for your family. He needs you to pray for your church. He needs you to pray for your nation. And unless we pray, God can't do anything about it. How many of you know that God needs you to pray for your pastor? In fact, Paul said this one time. He said, pray for me that there would be a door of utterance to speak boldly as I ought. So in other words, he was telling the church, pray for me that I would get fresh information from heaven to be able to minister to you and that I would be able to do it boldly. And he says, I need you to pray for me like that. So if you was to pray for your pastor and your pastor was to get real bold, how many of you know that you can't get offended for what you're praying for? Right? Right? You know what I mean? Because there's times they're like, oh my goodness, pastor's stepping on my toes right now. Did he really go there? Or I don't like what pastor's saying. Or I just don't agree. (laughs) Right? Have you ever been there? Well, if you're praying for your pastor, you're praying for your worship team. Now listen, I know I've had people say this before to me. The worship team is so loud. I realize that for some it might be a little bit loud. But if you're really praying for them, you won't worry about the loudness. You'll be like, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, right? You know what I'm saying? Because God will get behind what you're praying for and you'll enter in or step in and really get excited for what God's doing. All right, well, praise the Lord. God needs us to pray, right? So I want to bring your attention uh, to a verse that we talked about last week. And it was Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Once again, I want to read it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want to use this as a platform for us to see some things this morning. Starting in verse 12, it says, Then he said to me, speaking of the angel Gabriel, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand. Everybody say understand. And he said that the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. But the prince of of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone uh, there with the king of Persia. A couple of things that I want you to see there is, first of all, the Bible says that the angel of Gabriel, angel Gabriel said to Daniel, first, I came because you sought to understand. And you also purposed to humble yourself before God. How many of you know that God wants us to have some understanding about some things? Amen. So that means if God really desires for us to understand and he honors the words of an individual that's praying for understanding or wisdom, God says, I want to be able to help that individual that is praying that way. And therefore, if you're praying for wisdom, you can't be ignorant, right? Come on, if you've got wisdom, if you've got understanding, you can't say to God, well, God, I feed the, plead the fifth. No, because you asked for wisdom and you got wisdom. You got understanding. God desires to help you, right? And how many of you know that God has given us some things to help give us understanding? And we said last week that in regards to humbling ourselves, the first way that we really begin to humble ourselves as a believer is humbling ourselves to the Word of God. The Word of God begins to bring understanding. But He also gave us the person of the Holy Spirit. 
And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our helper, our teacher, and our counselor. How many of you know that the, that the world or people of the world that are apart from Christ, they need Jesus? Would you agree? But the church needs the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. The world needs Jesus, but the church needs the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us wisdom, gives us direction, gives us understanding, gives us counsel. He is the one that begins to teach us. Amen. He wants us to understand. He's wanting to give us direction. And so God says, purpose to humble yourself. How many of you want the Holy Spirit to talk to you? How many of you want the Holy Spirit to give you direction and counsel, right? Well, how many of you know that when it comes to asking for wisdom or asking for direction, God will begin to speak to you? He will. Sure thing. I mean, when you think about, well, I'll use this as an example just because today was such an awesome day of worship. You know, uh, Jordan and I, we don't get together before service or the week prior, and I don't tell him my message as to what I'm going to be ministering on. He'll know the series or he'll know maybe the message. Uh, like in this case what I'm doing. But I never talk to him in specifics as to what I am ministering on. So what ends up happening is he has to go to God and says, Okay God, what would you have us do as a worship team to lead the church? And the worship team, what they end up doing is leading us into a place where the presence of the Holy Spirit can begin to talk to us. And they begin to set a platform for the word of God to begin to minister or be ministered to us. And probably 99% of the time, there's that rare occasion, but the majority of the time, Jordan picks songs that tie right into my message. I mean, in fact, almost sometimes there's things verbatim in those words of what, that we're worshiping to that are right connected to my message. Well, how is it that he does it? Is that because he's so phenomenal? He is. Obviously, you know the wife that he married or the woman that he married, so he's got to have some kind of wisdom, right? And behind every good man is a great woman, correct? Praise the Lord. (laughs) And so once again, he purposes to say, God, I need you to help me. I need you to teach me. I need you to help us as a church. What would you have me do? And that's simply by following the leading and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. So once again, God desires for us to purpose to pray. He wants us to ask for help. And once again, notice that the Bible says, the angel said to Daniel, the moment that you sought to understand and to humble yourself, I came. And I came for your words. God begins to move on our half because we open up our mouth, because we begin to ask, because we begin to talk to him. In fact, again, I, I shared this last week, but John Wesley said this. It seems as though God is limited to move, move on the behalf of mankind unless somebody asks him. Why is that? Because in Matthew's gospel, it says God knows what we have need of before we ask. So many times as believers, we're frustrated and saying, God, don't you see what's going on? And God's like, yeah. I knew it before it ever came up that it was coming. How come you don't ask me? Well, I'm talking to you about it, God. Well, he don't want us to talk to him about it. He wants us to use our faith to get God on the scene. Right? In fact, you know, many times I think we talk to God like we talk to each other as husbands and wives or moms and dads. 
Have you as parents ever talked to your kids about their messy room? I know you're not the only ones that have perfect kids. I know your kids might be a little bit like mine. And some of your kids might be a little bit different in their tendency. Well, my oldest daughter, she, she's real artsy, but she's not real uh, detailed in terms of her, her room. I mean, she can have it a little bit messy and not care. My middle daughter, man, she likes her room just so, and it's got to look just right. But when I talk to my daughter, many times I talk to my daughter, it's like, what? what's up with your room? How come it's messy? And I'm talking to her about the room, and really what I'm wanting her to do is to do something about it. Rather than me giving her instruction or giving her some direction, right? And many times that was, that's what we do when we talk to God. God, here's the problem. And he's like, yeah, well. <laughs> God wants us to begin to seek wisdom and understanding about the situation and begin to pray to get God's heart and God's hand moving in our situation, right? Yeah. Amen. But God wants us to understand. But here's what I want you to see. When you begin to pray and pray in faith, God begins to move immediately. Jacqueline talked about that, about walking on the water. When, when Peter cried out and said, Jesus, help me. He didn't eventually help her. He immediately, or excuse me, help, uh, eventually helped Peter. He did it immediately and reached out his hand. We're saying, God, where are you at? And many times we're frustrated because of the hindrance. Well, why do we have hindrances? If we begin to look at that scripture in Daniel, what did the angel Gabriel bring? He brought understanding. Or we could say it this way. He brought revelation. Why is it that the enemy fights you and I so much concerning this walk with God? What is he fighting? Is he fighting from you having a church that you call home? No. Why is it that he wrestles with you on Sunday morning and you think, oh, do I really have to go to church? Oh, I don't want to. Oh, I'm tired. Oh, the kids are complaining. Why is it that you find yourself struggling or finding the battle even to make it to church? Or maybe you're thinking about, you know, I want to pray, but all of a sudden there's this thought, well, you know what, I'll watch TV a little bit. Or you think, well, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible. But all of a sudden you think of the honey-do list and all the things that you should do and you get distracted. Why does that begin to happen? Because the enemy does not want you to have wisdom, understanding, or clarity, or revelation that the Holy Spirit wants to bring. What do you come to church for? Do you come to church just to hang out? Some of you may, and that is a fundamental of church. Do you come to church just to hear good worship music? That might be in part, and it's a big part of what we do. But the primary thing that puts you over in life is to begin to hear the word of God that you begin to apply to your life, and it begins to change things in your life. And that's what the enemy does not want you to hear. How many times have you sat next to somebody or somebody bent you or ticked you off or offended you when you walked in the church door and then you sat there with your arms crossed and you never heard a thing that was said? Man, if I wasn't in church, I'd get him a piece of my mind. Well, I don't know if I'll ever come back to that church again because they just... Or children's ministry while they just... Right? And so as a result, you get distracted 
and you're not getting the revelation or understanding of God's heart and God's word in your life. Come on, are you here this morning? God desires for us to begin to grow and understand. The reason being is because people need people just like you that are a people that walk by faith. They need people that will say, I believe God. I trust God. I don't trust General Motors. I don't trust my job. I don't trust my family in regards to taking care of me. I walk a life of faith trusting God. And there are people that are wanting people just like you to be their friends. How do I begin to know God the way you know God? There are people that want you to set the example. Well, how do you do that? Simply by receiving from God wisdom and understanding. Amen? Now, again, I've said this already, but if we're coming to church with the desire to grow and learn, and if you're praying, God, give me wisdom. God, give me the ability to walk by faith. One of the main areas that you're going to get that is in church, right? But obviously, there's going to be opportunities for you to hear things that just ruffle your feathers. You know, we start talking about giving. Oh, here we go. We're talking about giving again. But do you realize that when it comes to giving, it is not about getting from you. It's about getting to you. That's God's heart. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. And if you understand the revelation behind it or the understanding behind it, you don't give with an attitude of, oh, dear God, I got to give. No, come on. Give me the opportunity to give this morning. I always look for the opportunity to give. Why? Because there is fruit on the other side of that seed. There's there's harvest on the other side of, of, of planting and putting into the work of God. Right? And so, therefore, if I begin to have wisdom and understanding... I don't get offended by that. Oh, well, didn't we just have a project last year and we gave toward that project and now we got another project. Oh, dear God. I want to go to a church that don't have a project. (laughs) Churches always are having projects, right? Well, if we didn't have so much stuff around here that we had to take care of, we probably wouldn't talk about so much money, right? Do you realize it doesn't matter the size of your church? It's always going to take money to get the gospel out. In fact, the bigger the church, the bigger the projects. Come on, you think you go to a bigger church, they stop talking about... No, the projects are bigger. I mean, we might talk about a couple thousand. You go to a big church, they're talking about tens of thousands. Or, hey, we got to put this new wing on the church and it's a million and a half dollars. Come on. I want to talk to you about some of those projects, but you've not gotten enough wisdom and understanding yet. I might run you out of the church if we start talking about the million-dollar project. Like, oh, dear God. Come on, God wants us to trust him, right? But we've got to have wisdom and understanding. Amen. Sometimes this is funny. You know, Paul said this. He says, don't be afraid of their faces. And sometimes when you talk about these things, you, you, you kind of get tickled by the look of people's faces, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we're going to purpose not to get offended with God's wisdom and understanding, right? We're going to purpose to press forward. So let's continue with this line of thinking. Turn in your Bibles this morning to First Samuel. Because God desires for us to grow in wisdom 
He desires for us to be people of prayer. God desires for us to not be guilty by association, but to be innocent. He wants us to be victorious. So as when you're trying to find that one that you can't find it, right? First, second Samuel, first, second King. Did you find it? All right. First Samuel chapter 12. And we're going to get there in just a moment. I just want you to have your place there. If you got it, say, I got it. I got it. Turn to your neighbor, say, hurry up. No, no pressure, no pressure. All right, so 1 Samuel, we've been talking about praying. We've been talking about getting wisdom and understanding. We've been talking about humbling ourselves to the Word of God or to God Himself. And really, that's to His will, to His desires, and to His ways, right? How many of you know that the Bible says, God says, my ways are higher than your ways? So do you ever think that maybe God's way sometimes ruffles your feathers? Oh, sure it is. Why? Because our natural man wants to do its own thing. Have you ever just had a temper tantrum with God before? I think we all have before. You know, just fall down on the floor, kick and scream, and act like a little baby. I've got to admit, I've done that before. Have you ever had God just kind of correct you like a dad? You know, like, hey, boy, what you doing? Yeah, sure. Did I ever tell you about the time that I was, I had my seatbelt on, or I was... Needing to put my seatbelt on and God got me. Did I tell you that story before? You may, some of you may have heard it. But see, I was purposing to say, God, I want to hear your voice and be more sensitive to your leading. And so I just purposed to say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll begin to do that. Well, so I was kind of the individual that just didn't like wearing my seatbelt. You know what I mean? And it was because my dad. My dad never wore his seatbelt. Probably still don't today. And because it's his fault, God. It's the dad you gave me. <laughs> got to blame somebody, right? No. <laughs> I just didn't, I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the habit of wearing my seatbelt very good. And so as I'm purposing to say, God, help me be sensitive to your leading, I began to hear God say to me, you need to put your seatbelt on. I'm like, God, I don't really want to. And he's like, well, you know, the Bible says to obey the law of the land. And therefore, as you do that, you, you're obeying me. Because they're, they're uh, uh, ordained by me to be those leaders. And I'm like, okay, God, I will. And so one day, uh, I just got kind of lazy with my seatbelt. And I'm driving down the road, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, you forgot your seatbelt. I'm like, ugh. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I put it on. And that's just how I responded in my car. And all of a sudden, I heard God say to me, don't act that way and don't talk that way to me. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm like, sorry, God, I, I apologize. I'm telling you, if you'll purpose to have a, heart to be sensitive towards God, he will begin to give you direction. But there might be times that he just kind of slaps you a little bit and say, hey, I'm expecting you to honor me and respect me a little bit more. And if we'll purpose to be sensitive in those areas, watch how God begins to open up understanding in other areas, right? Amen. All right, so in 1 Samuel chapter 12, just to kind of set you up just a little bit in terms of this particular story that we're going to look at and the verses that we're going to get into in fact, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. And again, I'm going to get there in just a moment. But this was a time where the people of God were saying, we want a king. We want somebody to rule over us. They began to look around. And the way God's plan was is that he would be their God, that he would 
put in their lives spiritual leaders that would speak into their lives. And that's how God would lead his people. But they began to look around at other nations and seeing that other nations had kings. And they said, we want a king to rule over us. And so Samuel went and began to talk to God about this and said, God, they're they're really just not wanting you to lead them. And God says, listen, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me. So don't take it to heart that they're doing this. And he says, but make sure that you tell the people what the repercussions are. He says, it is not my heart that they have a king to rule over them. It's my heart that they would be led by me and and ultimately that I would be their king and that I would be their God. And he says, if they have a king in their life, he says, tell them this is what's going to happen. He says, they're going to rule over their life. They're going to, he's going to take their sons and their daughters. They're going to be indentured servants. They will serve him. That, that they will give their money to the king and they will not be blessed. They will not prosper. That they will be subject to the leadership of that king. And so Samuel stood up in the midst of the people and says, this is what God has said. He said, I am purposing to tell you the heart of God. God wants you to let God lead you in your life rather than putting a man over your life. And the people said, we don't care. We, we want to be like other people. We want to be like other nations. Give us a king. Come on, does that ever sound like you? God, I don't care what you want from me. I know you have the best interest in me. And I know that you said if I would do this, I would be okay. But God, I just want to do my own thing. And God says, okay. And here's what God did. He said, okay. He said, if they're insisting on having a king, he says, I will give them a king. And the Bible says, I've even got a man picked out for him. His name is Saul. And he says, Samuel, I want you to anoint Saul and lead them or take him before the people and tell them that this is your king. And see, the thing about it is, is that God gave them exactly what they wanted. In fact, God says, I'm going to anoint him and actually give you a good king. And here's the thing. When it comes to God, God will help bless you where you're at. Do you realize with God, it's not all or nothing in the sense of, God will bless you as far as he can. Right? I mean, if you choose to just simply be disobedient, if you choose just to rebel against God, God's saying, I still love you. I'll still try to help you as, as much as I can. And that's exactly what God did. So many of us, what we end up doing is that we reject God and we see God trying to help us. And therefore, because we see God trying to help us, we begin to think that God has blessed our own thoughts. Say, well, God's behind it. Because look at what's happening. Look at the fruit. Look at the results. And and God is saying, that's not my heart. But because I love you, I'm trying to bless you as much as I can. Right? And so when it came to Saul, he says, I'm going to give you the best king that I can. I'm going to anoint him and I'm going to help you. Aren't you glad? Amen. And so I want us to look here, if you will, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. 1 Samuel, I tell you, first, oh, I'm, I'm in 2 Samuel, no wonder it didn't look familiar. All right, let me get over to chapter 12. Helps if you're in the right place. Hurry up, yes, I know, I'm getting there, thank you. God, don't hold it against him. 
They're just trying to have fun. All right. So, <laughs> First Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. It says, Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from, from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside from them. Uh, uh, then you uh, don't turn aside for then let me put my glasses back on then you would go go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver for they are nothing verse 22 for the lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake because it has pleased the lord to make you his people and then verse 23 let's finish with verse 23 moreover as for me Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. So let me just break that down in a couple different areas. First of all, he says, make sure you do the right thing. He says, now you've been wicked and you've done some things that I've asked you not to do. He says, but don't just keep on doing the wrong thing, right? He says, don't go after or don't go afar off. He says, you've been wicked, but purpose to serve me still. So there's many of us that have found ourselves frustrated and feeling the shame and the guilt of maybe some things that we're doing that we know that are not pleasing to God. But don't let that pull you from getting God's heart and God's wisdom and God's direction for your life. He says, don't make one bad decision and keep making more bad decisions. And then he says, don't turn after the thing and follow after that. He says, because it can't deliver you. Right? So let me just put that in context. For us, let's continue to serve God. Don't let one bad decision take us into a, a ditch and walk away from God. Secondly, he says, don't let the thing that you go after, don't fall away from God and think that that thing's going to deliver you. So let me just say it this way. There are things in our life that we purpose to allow to become gods in our life, don't we? Well, those things that we run after, we better make sure that they can save us at the end of the day. We better make sure that they can deliver us at the end of the day. Right? What am I talking about? Well, your vacations, your job, your hobbies. Amen. Come on, I'm going to get on a soapbox real quick here. But do you realize that kids' athletics have become gods? Right? Taking the family out of church. Again, I'm not talking to anybody in specific. I'm just, that's just a thing. Well, we better teach our kids that that thing that's pulling us out of church can deliver them, right? Oh, no. No, it can't. Let's teach them the right thing. Amen? Yeah. All right. Just got to get on a soapbox there for a moment. All right. <laughs> Amen. And then he also said this. He said, I purpose to continue to pray for you. And even in the midst of the decisions that you're making, I still see that I need to teach you. In teaching, what happens? We get wisdom and we get understanding. Now, this is, again, a soapbox that I'm going to get on and I'm going to close with this. We've got an election that's coming, right? And we're electing a king or a president, right? And Samuel said, it's important for us to pray for that king, for that leadership, to seek wisdom and understanding, right? Now, 
God says, I will give you my best and I will bless you as far as I can. So who we pray for, first of all, and who we elect as a people determines how much God can bless us. Right? And so, therefore, we've got to be very careful as the church as to who we cast our vote for. Many times in this season, in this time that we're in, and the economy and everything that we're looking in, people will say, we need to hire or we need to vote in a man that can turn this country. We need a man that can change the economy of this country. We need a man that will get our country back on track. Why is our country off track? It's because we've become a people that have walked away from the wisdom, the counsel, and have stopped seeking to have understanding of God's heart and God's desire. Right? The reason that we're in the mess that we are in is because we've walked away from God in our country and in our schools. And so our vote needs to be cast for God's heart. And you will be guilty or innocent by the association of your vote. If you'll pray the heart of God, he will give you direction and wisdom as to where you need to cast your vote. I'm not telling you who to do it for. God will direct you. But if you notice, the Bible says God sought that there was not a people that would be ruled over by a king. In fact, in that story, they said, we want to be like other nations where their king takes care of them. We've got political parties right now that will say, we want to be your king and we will take care of you. You don't have a job, we'll take care of you. You don't have insurance, we'll take care of you. You want to be a bum, we'll take care of you. Because we are the government, we want to take care of you. Now both of them kind of say that, but there's one that leans one way or the other. There are those that will come against godly values and there are those that will come up under godly values. So what are you going to cast your vote? You will be guilty or innocent by association. Amen? That's purpose to seek the wisdom of God. Now, I'm running out of time, and so therefore, I'm kind of just wrapping this up in a nutshell. Are you tracking with me this morning? God needs us to say, God, who's your man? Who's the person that you desire in that office? Who will, ups- who will be upstanding and lead this country correctly? If you're looking to a man to change the economy or get us back on track financially, you've made money God. Come on. If that's what's swaying your vote, you're letting it move your heart based not on the wisdom of God, but based on the circumstances of man. Come on. Am I stepping on any toes? I'm not trying to get political here. I'm just saying, let's do what God said. God says, I desire to be your God. Let's give him the greatest opportunity to bless this country. Let's give him the greatest opportunity to move on our behalf. You may say, well, I like this candidate, but I don't like what they stand for. You cast your vote, you support what they stand for. You cannot separate the man from the platform. Who is going to uphold godly values? Why has this been the greatest nation in the world? Because we've been a people that have said, we want God to be our God. And we want to put Him at the focal point of our hearts and our lives. What is going to take us back to godly standards? 
Amen. How many believe God still wants to be God in the United States? Amen. Gosh, I wish I had more time because I really condensed that at the very end. And I wish I see some of your faces like, oh, here we go. We get... Now, listen, there's, there's more to that. And you've got to hear things the right way. So hopefully you've caught enough of what I said. Amen. Let's stand. How many of you know God can be God? How many of you want God to be the God of the United States? Come on, let's declare that right now. Amen. Take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.